Welcome back to Vertigo, a House of Bob Lancer campaign set in the distant Long Rim. Hi, I'm Dan. I'm playing Rusk Tilson, call sign Vestige, the over the hill super soldier. I'm Sean, and I'm playing Petrocles, call sign Exodus, the adolescent war priest of Ares. This is Alex. I'll be playing Matt Rioska, call sign PCB, the ever loyal union loving droid. Hi, I'm Schubert. I'll be playing Val, call sign Valkyrie, a techno Viking monster hunter. And I'm Jake, your game master. If you'd like to support the show, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, stop by our Patreon, or tell your friends about us. Roll on. The last episode, you had finally put down the writhe and secured the refining area, buying you some time to repair and resupply before heading deeper into the station. As you left refining, you walked into a heap of subalterns that had been battering against the refinery doors in a futile attempt to reach you. And the dark hallway leading further into the station lies before you. You're accompanied by Little Matt piloting the salvaged assault chassis. And also the Horizon Assault that uh, survived the previous battle is currently uh, slowly slinking backwards towards the entrance to the base here. <laughs> That's right. Keep running. You run. <laughs> yeah, guys, guys, do we want to do anything about him? Um, that's not our priority. Do we want to role play with him a little bit and ask him like <laughs> if he's going to keep helping us or we we could talk to him? Hey, you get out of that mech! I level my howitzer at him. Oh my god, <laughs> that's a big thing to level at someone. Sending a big message. <laughs> sure. So you you send out a little uh, radio blast to them, and uh, you get a response, and you can see the call sign in the IFF decoder in the message, which says call sign bucket. And uh, Bucket speaks up and says, uh, uh, hey, uh, thanks thanks for the assist, but uh, this is getting a, a bit out of hand, so I'm going to head out, leave this in the very capable hands of the Union. Um, for the Union. For the Union, yeah, great. Um, see ya. And continues to slink away. Do you really think you're getting out of here alive with those things running around? We're your best shot. They They pause for a moment and... Well, you can't see their face, but they seem to be considering whatever you have just said, at least in terms of mech movement. <laughs> Look, we're out here in the depths of space. There's a NHP out here that's going rogue. There's another one that we got to stop from getting infected the same way. We're in the middle of nowhere. Who knows how many other subalterns, mechs, whatever else is out there is waiting for you on your way out. Stick with us. Strengthen numbers. We'll get you out of here alive, but we could use your help. All right, well, why don't you roll uh, some kind of check? See if you can convince this person to stick around. Yeah, that was surprisingly diplomatic. Can I use lead or inspire to give an inspiring speech or motivate a group of people into action? That's sure what that sounded like to me. Yeah, go for it. I'm riled up. Oh, I only got a nine. Again, we should have asked before you rolled if there was anybody who was going to try to assist in some way on that. Oh, um, I don't think I have anything to help with. Okay. Well, you do have the option of pushing it, right? Which lets you roll mm. again, but then there are possible consequences as well. Push it. Do we get to talk about what those consequences might be? We could. Yeah. I, I'm trying to imagine like he's going to quit harder. <laughs> like, no, he's going to attack us. I think that's a, a possibility because you can tell this individual isn't... Um, I don't think they think they're any more safe with you than they are with the base mechs here. Right. So they may lash out. They may... Betray us down the line. Yeah, they may just harbor a uh, resentment that'll come up later, yeah. I feel like I'm willing to risk that. 
is anybody willing to help me? Maybe maybe threaten them or something like that? I don't know. Mm. These guys would also be like Horizon Collective guys, right? Like uh, yeah. uh, Dibs and what's his name who peed his pants? Uh, so the, those two, uh, Dibs and uh, we didn't name him, so this boy, I guess, were um, <laughs> they, they were mercenaries, you know, so they weren't like they were working for Horizon, but they weren't members of Horizon. This person is probably a member of Horizon as far as you can tell. Well, could we mention that his mercenaries have turned on him? And so I guess that's just more convincing, but... Yeah, no, I, I think that's worth mentioning. Um, you kind of have like some intel, essentially. So that kind of would be yeah. like a reserve that you earned earlier. So I'm okay with that. That would give Petrocles an accuracy. And he only Ooh. needs to roll a one on that D6 if he can manage it to get up to 10, which is, would be a success. So do you want me to just roll D6 or do you want me to re-roll the whole thing? Um, no. Oh, yeah, I guess that's right. We are uh, pushing it. So yes, you should roll again, but with an accuracy as well. Yeah. Okay. I do so. 19. Oh. <laughs> Much better. Uh, 19 is a success, but there will still be a possible consequence. This person doesn't necessarily feel any more safe with you, especially, you know, with the kind of veiled threat that uh, Matt just made there. So you, you, you know that they're going to be trying to bolt at the first chance that they get. But for now, they will continue to follow you. Good. <laughs> we'll just have to lead the assault every time. Yeah, they're doing what we want, but they're not happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just makes them go first in every combat so they don't yeah. run away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're a frontline fighter, right? <laughs> melee, melee mostly. R- rifles and grenades. <laughs> the classic melee weapons. Close range rifles, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, then uh, is the plan just to carry on uh, down that hallway? Yep. Yeah. Do we talk about this giant pile of subalterns that fell through the door? You haven't really talked about it. No, that happened right at the very end of the episode. And that was as you guys were opening the door that would lead from the refinery further into the base. While you guys were taking your rest, you could hear like just occasional bangs and pounds against the door. Um, And you see now that, yeah, there's basically just a heap of scrappy malfunctioning subalterns that had basically just crashed against the wall. And now that they were kind of in this room, which you would cut off from the base NHP's control, they just kind of disable and spill onto the ground. Would they have an NHP on board, or are they just like spares that are somehow filling up the space? Like, what's the story with them? In this case, it looks like they were just kind of being remote controlled because they shut down when they entered this room, right? So they were probably being remote controlled by the base. Could we, like, harvest... um like a remote from them or, or a transceiver of some sort. I have to imagine whatever, like, you know, remote control they have must be two way. If they, you know, maybe send back video or sound or something. Can we take something off it? Use it to our advantage. Uh, Possibly. Like, it's not like they're holding a, you know, a communicator or anything that would be something built into them, but it's possible with your hacking skills. Maybe you could, you know, tear it open and access that if you wanted to. Yeah. I think I would like to try to do that. My training's in the art of war, but it it seems like since we shut this computer down here and these subalterns shut down when they entered the room, it's like maybe they only have such a, a finite range. With this beacon deactivated, they're outside of the range of whatever's controlling them. Maybe we can even produce like a counter uh, frequency yeah, maybe. that might be able to disrupt what they've got. Hmm. Or, or f- figure out some sort of way to like sabotage whatever's sending the signal when we get back in range. Yeah. Like a proximity bomb. Matt, you seem pretty good with computers. Oh, yeah. We'll just blow it up. Easy. We'll oh. <laughs> just blow it up. Yeah. 
That's my own my style anyway. Okay. What's the objective? What are you trying to do right now? Trying to get a like a piece of tech we can make use of later. Be more specific. What do you want to use it for? You want the transceiver so that we can like yeah. figure out what their radio signal is or counter counter frequency it or something like that. Yeah. So how are they receiving it so Maybe that we, we can, can even listen in? Yeah. Listen in. Yeah, get some clues, re- reverse engineer it somehow. Or okay. are you asking us to be more specific? Well, no. But to the, like pick one. The, the, there was talk about causing explosions and <laughs> counter right, yeah. things. Like, yeah, you can. You should be able to grab the radio from them essentially. And then, yeah, you can communicate back over that. If you want to kind of monitor that signal, then yeah, maybe I would ask for that hacker fix role to uh, kind of re- yeah, retune I would it. like to be able to, yeah, monitor what they're doing. I feel like that, you know, might give us an advantage later on. Sure. 16. Uh, success. Well done. These are like human-sized things. So, you know, you have to pop out of Big Matt and you start tinkering with the heads of these little uh, robots here. And you dig in there and, yeah, pull out a, a transceiver and uh, work with it, isolate the frequency that they were using and that kind of thing. You start trying to listen into the signal and a lot of it is kind of, you know, obviously corrupt or damaged or just gobbledygook. Uh, letters mysteriously swapped around and that kind of thing. You get little tidbits here and there, and most of it is things like, where are they? They destroyed it. I must stop them. I must continue my work. The foreman will be mad when he returns. I have to find them, that kind of thing. Hmm. Matt fills in the rest of the crew about this. It's more talk about the foreman. All right. I don't know what to think about that. You can keep that thing on hand, and you know, if there might be some more chatter, you can tune in on later. Okay. Matt, uh, like, gives the little droid shell that he pulled it out of a, like, pat on the shoulder and says, Thanks, pal. I'll make good use of this. It does nothing. Nice. <laughs> it's, it's symbolic. <laughs> the camera holds steady on a discombobulated dead NHP for a few moments. And then a light turns on. Oh. Ah. <gasps> <laughs> okay. no, I'm honoring him. Okay. Anything more? Are we moving on? down the hall. I don't think there is anything else for us to do, is there? I think we're ready to go. Onward. So, to production, I assume? Oh, we're backtracking to production? Oh, wait, there's nothing further down this hallway? No, yeah, I I assumed you guys were heading deeper into the base. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I I thought maybe the pile of subalterns was so high that we couldn't get through. Yeah, no, let's keep going. Let's go deeper then. I wait through. And you you did get security footage of production before, and you saw it was basically just a bunch of mining machines going haywire, so there wasn't anything too interesting there. Cool. Down to go. You follow the hallway for a short while. Metallic echoes as your mech clangs its way down. And before you get too far, you notice that part of the ceiling ahead has been roughly torn open. Uh, there's you know sheared metal hanging down and along with a string of lights that kind of sway back and forth. Does it look like it was opened from the top or has it been opened from the inside? Looks like it was opened from above. Can I send Biddy Matt to take a look? Yeah, you you fire him off a little farther forward and he can look up and see that it it looks like it's kind of just the inner workings of the station above. So, you know, it's Hmm. scaffolding and pipes and oxygen conduits and that kind of thing. Looks like it was, you know, dramatically torn open. Maybe that's where the writhe came from originally. All right, let's keep going. Does it look like there's a chance of anything collapsing on us there or is it damage long done a while ago? As you wonder about that, there is a clatter as uh, two subalterns tumble out of the hole, clattering on top of a pity mat who uh, zips away just in time, and then the subalterns crash onto the floor. Um, one of them 
kind of sc- immediately scrambles back up to its feet, uh, looks at you, and then begins to bolt at full speed down the hallway away, away from you. The second one doesn't move, and instead it stares at you from the floor where it landed with a blank calculating expression. Patrocles shoots them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. The one that's running away from you, you take a shot at, and it. Um, there's a flash of light in this dark hallway from the, the muzzle of your cannon there, and it is just obliterated and falls onto the ground in a pile of scrap metal. As you fire on the one that was on the floor... Just before it is obliterated, there's a little burst of data on the kind of open channel radio frequency here, but it's destroyed before any useful information gets out of it. Can we tell what it was trying to say or no? What you can tell is that it began with a union identification signal. Oh. They were one of us. (laughs) I was worried they were scouts. Maybe they were about to report back. Yeah. The one that was running away from you was running back towards where you assume you know the armory is. So it was a reasonable assumption that that one was a scout. Harder to say about the one that uh, was just on the ground. Could have been a suicide uh, kamikaze subaltern. You never know, man. You just tell yourself whatever will make you feel better. <laughs> I will. <laughs> wow. Should we keep going? Yep. Just moment of silence, if you will. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> By the blood of Ares, sometimes an enemy is an enemy. Just in case you're unsure later, I'm not an enemy. (laughs) I'm confident in that. I put two little notches on my dash for uh, the two kills that uh, you got. Oh my god. I have your name listed there. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have one for everybody? Oh yeah. Y'all y'all have names and notches. Like when a child grows against the doorframe, but you're doing it for how many war crimes I commit? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Soon you'll get like gold stars and like little smiley faces <laughs> that I can get behind <laughs> <laughs> merit badges for murder so you continue on down the hallway stepping around you know some of the rubble that had fallen from the hole above and you eventually get down to the end of this hallway which ends in three doors there's one big heavy metal door right in front of you and then there is a small human-sized door to your left, and then a mech-sized, but not nearly as uh, kind of heavily uh, armored or thick-looking as the main door on your right. Hmm. Let's check the mech door to the south first, maybe. You head down this offshoot, and it eventually opens up into another room, which is easily identifiable as a hangar. You enter this room, you see there are large docking bays along both sides of the room, flanking a a strip of moving walkways, which are full of loading and transportation equipment. Like in the rest of the facility, most of the machines are acting erratically. The moving walkways are stopping and starting at random, and the cranes spin wildly, that sort of thing. At the far end of the room, there's a thick blast door that presumably leads to the surface. There's also a smaller kind of side door on the north of this room. And then more interestingly, there are two ships in here. Mm-hmm. One is a bulky and well-used cargo ship that looks like it's been repurposed to have some um, like external mech drop pods on it. The main cargo hatch is currently wide open and you see some crates and cargo inside. And on the side of the ship is emblazoned the name Edmund Fitzgerald II. Hmm. The second ship is easily identifiable as a Union shuttlecraft. It's sleek, quick, difficult to detect on most scanners, It's not entirely unlike the Naboo Royal Starship in terms of looks. 
And yeah, your union database on your mech recognizes it as a Vic Rickards personal ship, the hem of their garment. Oh, I love the Royal Starship. <laughs> the hem of their garment. Hmm. The other one was the, sorry, the Edmund. The Edmund Fitzgerald too. The wreck of Edmund Fitzgerald? Two. They waited a long time to make a new one. <laughs> As you guys enter Bucket, the Horizon Assault beside you here, they see the ship and they start heading towards the Edmund Fitzgerald 2. And they open the radio and say, oh, hey, great. That's my ride. Uh, thanks, guys. It was good working with you. Um, <laughs> talk to you later. Bye for the union. <laughs> That's your ship. Uh, I fire a warning shot. <laughs> in oh front of God. where the doors are. <laughs> With your howitzer? Uh, no, I'd have to reload that if I fired it once. As a, it's a waste of a warning shot, and it would probably kill everybody. <laughs> he starts uh, walking towards the Edmund Fitzgerald 2. You fire a warning shot. It hits the ground in front of him. And when you do that, you see most of the equipment and machines in this room suddenly swivel and point towards you. Uh-oh. You see some cranes raising their arms and grasping in your general direction. There's a, a mining drill that has begun to power its laser emitter and aiming it in your direction. There's a loading truck here that has begun revving their engines. <laughs> oh my god. What the hell? Why? <laughs> not all of you can fart. Rusk, this is, uh, this one's your fault. I'm not threatened by a crane. The laser drill, uh, um, totally wildly fires off a blast of red energy that misses you, but seems to confirm its hostile intent. And to make matters worse, you see the Edmund Fitzgerald 2 has begun to power up. Oh, God. The engines sputter and begin to pull and strain against its docking clamp, but it seems to be held fast by the docking clamp. However, there is a cannon turret on its belly that has begun to spin and is aiming in the oh, direction of you and the team. <laughs> uh, my bad. So this is not going to be a full-blown mech combat. Most of these things are not capable of causing severe damage to you, but they are still dangerous enough that you'll have to deal with it. But we're just going to resolve it narratively. So what cool things are you guys going to do to not get severely damaged or waste a bunch of resources fighting these guys? Not necessarily fighting, but dealing with this incident. I want to shoot the rails that the um, cranes would operate on. Like, if they can't move, they can't, like, do shit to me. So if I just, like, destroy the upward rails or whatever then mm -hmm. that yeah. cancels out a, at least a few things so I take those out myself okay yeah that sounds good well this certainly sounds like an assault to me which is one of your skill triggers so if you just want to roll assault that works for me that's not great I got a six it's not great at all I will push it sure so yeah if you push it you can roll again uh, you still succeeded on a 10 or up but there's consequences on a 10 to 20 <laughs> what did you do? Six again. Wow. <laughs> All right, I'm going to push it one more time. No, I'm just oh my God. <laughs> At this point, again, the cranes and stuff are not so dangerous to you, but I think it might be a matter of you have to expend a little more ammunition or something to uh, deal with them. So you do have uh, your ammo case. I yeah, I'm maybe gonna, I use one of... Yeah, I'm going to use up one of your ammo case resources there. Okay. That is fair. You start firing at like ground where the cranes are, but the cranes actually like dive in front of it basically and start taking the hits. You have to switch to your explosive shot. So you fire off a couple explosive shots instead and uh, mm -hmm. you're able to uh, uh, damage the rails enough that the cranes won't be able to bother you. But you're not out of the uh, fire yet. The ship is the biggest threat. That weapon will actually be able to deal significant damage. 
and then there's the mining uh, uh, lasers as well. Patrocles will open a channel, hoping that the ship can hear him. And he levels his gun at the ship's engines. And he issues a threat. I've got a target lock on your engines. You open fire with that cannon, you're not getting off this asteroid ever. 21. Ooh, that's quite good. You could see that the cargo bay doors of the ship were already open. And you make your threat and you see from the kind of glow of the laser cannon on the bottom of the ship begins to dim. And you see a subaltern poke its head around the corner of the cargo bay and jump out and start running away. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, that's fine. Anybody got one more uh, thing to do about the mining lasers? I think Val was just going to kind of save on resources, so she doesn't want to damage it in any way. So she just hops out and just starts going to town with her axe. You can. Now, while these mining lasers are not a big threat to your mechs, they are probably a threat to a human being. So if you want to do that, great, but I'd make the roll risky, which means there would be consequences on a 10 to 20. Sounds good to me. Okay. Oh, I rolled a six. Not only is it a failure, but uh, a failure with some consequences here. I mean, Val is a seasoned fighter. You've toppled much greater foes than a mining laser, but there is just a quantity of them that you can't uh, emerge completely unscathed. And you are going to take you, Val, the pilot, mm-hmm. a blast from one of these mining lasers. A searing red beam swipes across your arm as you're bringing down one of your axe to crush this guy. And you will take a little bit of damage to your pilot. So you have uh, one armor and you have nine hit points, it looks like. So I'm just going to make it, I think, a, a D6 damage. I rolled a two. Minus one armor, just one damage. As the laser swipes across your arm, you get this, you know, deep burn across your uh, arm there. But you bring down the axe and, you know, cut the last mining laser in twain. And then it is uh, finally silent in this room. Well, not silent. There's like machines sparking and uh, <laughs> a couple of cranes are flapping back and forth on the ground. But it looks like the threat is over. All right, Bucket. Anything else to say? <laughs> um, I think no, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Probably for the best. I think you have uh, destroyed their spirit. Nice. <laughs> Good. <laughs> that's that's what, what I like to hear. Was, yeah. was that our mission? That was the mission? <laughs> that yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, we can all go <laughs> on that. Yeah, we can get on that uh, Union ship and just heal out. Ah, uh, yes. Crush their spirit. Take that check. We hurt someone's feelings. Let's go. Yeah. All right, let's move on. <laughs> so you said the big hangar door on the far side would just go out to space, probably. Yeah. This north door, do we have any idea where that would lead? You don't, as of now, anyway. I read the sign above it. Well, there's no sign. I looked through <laughs> the window. As you got into this kind of area of the base, you know that, again, this armory is supposedly a bit of a secret, so it hasn't been uh, as well labeled in this area. I can think of a few ways you might be able to find out more about what's around here. Can I look for subtext motives or threats in this situation? <laughs> What skill right, is I go that? and open the door. <laughs> that's that's read a situation. Oh, <laughs> that would definitely work. Sure, would I hit it? the open. Okay. I hit the cool. open door button. I mean, Perception that would check work, yeah. as he opens the door. <laughs> Four. Oh man, <laughs> Aries, you fool! I found the open door button right here. That's not what I was looking for. Oh, Rusk, um, it's beside the door. You never let me do what I want to do. You open up this side door and it actually just opens up to a small hallway that leads to one of those thick security doors like you saw in the previous hallway. Mm-hmm. 
based on this, it looks like it might connect to that other room with the big blast door. Side entrance, perhaps. Yeah. Do we want to check out that man hallway before we go through here? We could. With that big gaping hole, it's not open to like the vacuum of space, or is it? No, it looks like it goes into the inner workings of the base. So you see the gotcha. scaffolding and the pipes and okay. things like that up there. All right, and then that's where the subalterns fell on top of you from. Mm. So I think we'll probably I I anyways want to backtrack, go through that small yeah, hallway. Okay, sounds good. While we still have the chance, and then this side entrance might be really a, like a good way to enter into the armory if maybe we're not going to be expected to be coming from that direction. We could do a pincer maneuver. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. (laughs) I'm down for that. Okay, well, back to the uh, uh, main hallway outside of Refinery for now. Okay. You take a peek down the kind of human-sized hallway there, and you see that it ends abruptly. The side wall has been blown inwards, so there's sheets of metal that and rock that have been turned inwards blocking that path. What a waste of time. Sorry, guys. It's all right. We're allowed to look. All right. Do we want to do this pincher maneuver, hoping that we're entering the same room from the, <laughs> uh, from this <laughs> door? get absolutely like pincher. destroyed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's possible. Can we put Bucket and Little Matt up on the one door and then uh, the rest of us on the other and then either Bucket or all of us will survive? <laughs> <laughs> One door will immediately kill anybody who goes through it. <laughs> uh, Patrocles is going to take the main door in the main hallway. The big door. I was going to stick up there with you, actually. Okay. So why don't you keep buckets with you? Yeah. I'm going to save you guys a little bit of time here. While you're in front of this door pondering what your pincer maneuver is going to look like, you notice that there is no observable control panel entry point. Hmm. No obvious way to open this door from here. Right. So we're going to have to go through the... We're all going to have to go okay. through the one. So we go through the other door. My okay, let's God. double back again. Both of those big blast doors. There was no obvious way to open them from the oh. outside. They, they are big, oh. thick security doors. And we can't mm. go through the van door. Can we go through the hole that's ripped yeah. in the ceiling? It is uh, human-sized, but yes. How far in could I send Biddy Matt to take a look? Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. I guess you could send Biddy Matt to pretty far. So Yeah, do that. You send Biddy Matt up through the hole in the ceiling into the inner workings of the base. You know, again, he goes by scaffolding and pipes and wires and things like that. And you see that this torn out section of the base eventually leads up to another room. And you can see a long room that is full of uh, computer banks and terminals and monitors. And you see a few little subaltern droids manning different terminals. From this vantage point, Biddy Matt can see that like the southern wall of this is actually a big glass window that is overlooking something. Okay. But from this point, he can't see what's through there, but he can see that that's what's there. It almost certainly looks into this big room. Almost certainly. I have to think that like through there or back to production are like the only places we can possibly go. I should say, you know, again, there was no obvious way to open those two doors. doesn't mean it's impossible, right. but you just have to come up with something interesting. It seems like we're supposed to go go through this hole. We didn't take a look at the ship, did we? Oh, yeah. We didn't look on the Union ship. You're right. Right. Yeah, we should. Yeah, I mean, the guy that we're trying to find, that's his ship, right? So we should take a look. Oh, that's his ship. Yeah, Vic Rickards. I just put that together. That makes sense. Yeah. He is Union. All right, we right. backtrack again. Okay, that's front track. Matt, I said union. For the union. Thank you. We're all just itching to get to the action that we forget that we should also be 
<laughs> like <laughs> invest exploring. <laughs> that's yeah. fine too. If that's what you guys want. Again, there are ways to open that door, but <laughs> in the hangar, there were two ships. There was the Edmund Fitzgerald two, which sounds like it was the horizon collective ship that they came here on. And then there is the hem in their garment, which is the union shuttlecraft. Again, kind of a very sleek silver uh, number. And yeah, I mean, it's waiting there for you. Val would like to take a look inside that. See if this guy is in here. Yoo-hoo, anybody home? Clang, clang, clang. You knock on the side of the ship. You hear nothing in response. All right, I go in. There's a little control panel, and Matt is able to figure out how to open it up with a little bit of hacking there. And you get into the ship. 0004. Uh, 0004, correct. (laughs) Security protocols have been updated since the incident previously. So on the inside of the ship, it's a small ship. It's meant to just carry a couple people at a time. There's a small living quarters in here and a little bit of storage, but not much. You know, it's small, but it's comfortable. Plush bunks and things like that. And there's nobody in here currently at the moment. You see the cockpit up at the front of the ship. And that's really about it. Is there any Hmm. like supplies we could um, make use of? Any spare repairs or anything? I think you could probably rustle something up between this ship and the hangar as a whole. I would ask for some kind of role. Well, you ask for that role and I will roll it (laughs) because I would sure love to have some spare repairs. I just want to go rummaging through everything. Like between between the two ships, like somebody had to have brought Mm -hmm. some spare equipment with them, right? If you have a skill that you feel is relevant, you can add it. Otherwise, just roll a d20. Would I be able to assist? Um, yeah, and, and one other person can assist if you're just you know doing a straight roll for sure. I don't really think I have any applicable skills. You don't need an applicable skill if you just say how you're helping. If you guys are just taking the time to rip through this uh, hangar and try to find anything useful, just you know roll a d20 with the advantage and we'll see what happens. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Seven. I don't find shit. Val just cut everything up too much yep (laughs) yeah (laughs) looks like nothing useful was left behind unless you guys can think of something more interesting to happen Uh, because I don't want to just say no nothing happens but does the Edmund Fitzgerald 2 have uh, by any chance like a radio that we could use to communicate to Vic or to Septimus 7 are they still like connected to it in any way so sorry I think you mean the the hem of their garment, which is the union ship. That's what I meant. Yeah. The hem of their garment. Maybe. I think that's something you could try. You would probably have to try to, you know, configure the long range communications on here to uh, identify the right signal and send it, but it'd probably be worth a try. Okay. I will do that. Would that be engineering? If you have a relevant skill, you'd be adding that. Otherwise, it's just the narrative D20 and get 10 or higher. Right. Engineering is for my mech. My bad. Yeah. Okay. So... I have nothing. Val, you're in that. You're you're in the the hem of a garment, right? Yep. And you uh, do all sorts of like weird occult rituals with machines. Maybe you could help me out with this. They're not weird. <laughs> no, sorry. You're weird. Look, distinguished and uh, deep and meaningful rituals. Look, Valkyrie. I don't. I didn't mean to uh, deprecate anyone. I, no, it's. Cool. I mean, my religion's my religion's kind of weird. So yeah, we're both pretty weird. Just space, man. This, this crew is not very culturally sensitive. Petrically's got a 22. Oh, that's Valkyrie's help. Who needs cultural sensitivity? When you got roles like that. When you have the union. <laughs> For the union. For the union. 
you you know fire up the comms unit on this machine. First, you kind of look through the call logs a little bit to see if you can find out the proper channels to use and that kind of thing. And you're able to find out a couple um, messages that were sent between here and uh, a source somewhere to the north of where the ship is located currently. It received a message from there, and then it also sent a message to the hallway where that tear in the ceiling was. And you see that that was a message, looks like it was probably to a subaltern unit there, that it was trying to direct back towards the ship with the objective of getting to somewhere where it could send a message out for help, basically. Okay. Well, message received. (laughs) Was there a second message, sorry? Let me clarify that, because you did get a very good role. So you dig through it a little further, and you found that Septima, wherever she is on this base, geographically somewhere north of here, had sent a message, basically had managed to take control of one of the subalterns, which it had sent to try to get to the ship so that it could get close enough to a union facility to message for help, basically. You found that that subaltern's kind of signal was uh, dramatically cut short in the hallway there. I wonder what happened to it. (laughs) (laughs) So that subaltern had basically a small fragment of Septima on it that it was trying to get out for help. Gotcha. Good thing Val remembered to check out this ship. Yeah, good thing you... uh... You killed those things earlier. That was good thinking. <laughs> Look, it could have been anything, all right? I'm tired of explaining myself. We're in a battle. No, co- I w- yeah, I wasn't being sarcastic. <laughs> I, Rusk is always sarcastic with me, and I, I actually <laughs> can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're able to triangulate those those messages, and you know, yeah. you know exactly geographically. I just pinged the map. Uh, it is just to the north of the hangar here. And I will confirm that it looks like this is just one big room in there that both of those blast doors lead to. Right. It looks like we're in the right area, but we need to find a way through those blast doors. Septima, at least at the time of sending this message, they're at least mostly intact. We should be able to to help them if we can get in there. What if we use the uh, the cannons on the Edmund Fitzgerald and just like shot the door? That's a cool idea. Would that work? Those cannons look pretty big. Thinking about what these blast doors look like, would that work, Jake? Yeah, I think that could work. It would look badass. Yeah, you, you guys, you know, crunch the numbers. And I mean, these are internal systems. They're designed to fend off, uh, you know, mechs and people with little uh, laser rifles and that kind of thing. <laughs> Not a ship-mounted weapon? Yeah, a ship-sized cannon in here would be pretty effective. You know, it might take a couple shots or something, but yeah, you could get through that door with that cannon. All right. Sounds like a fun idea. We climb aboard the Edmund Fitzgerald II and point the cannon at the blast door. Sure. You coerce Bucket into giving you the command key so that you can uh, fire up the Edmund Fitzgerald II here, release the docking clamp, and yeah, line it up straight down this hallway. The ship itself couldn't fit through this hallway, but it's just basically the belly cannon that's like poking out through (laughs) into the hallway. And with a few dramatic blasts of red energy, it blasts a hole through this door. You guys enter into a large uh, room. You've entered in through the east side there. This looks to be the armory. You see four large printers in the corners. These are the big Schedule II printers that would print out, you know, full-sized mechs. In the center of the room, there are two wide trenches that are uh, in the ground, like you'd see in like a mechanic shop so someone could get underneath a machine and work on it, right? Mm -hmm. But it also looks like those rays can be raised and lowered. There is a a catwalk that goes along the outside 
of both sides of the building, as well as a bridge that leads across. Underneath the catwalk is where you just emerged from. Mm-hmm. And then on the very far north of the room, you see a big control center. And you see in front of it, there is a, a big squad of subalterns, about 10 of them. These ones, unlike the other ones, are armed with a variety of blaster cannons and rifles. And they stand in front of an NHP that you recognize as Septima 7G. <gasps> she is currently plugged into that big console there. And there's a bunch of wires heading out the back of her head and into the uh, computer terminal. You can see that the two printers to the north of the room are currently active. There's one to the northwest, which is printing out a steady stream of tiny little drones with a variety of nasty looking weapons on them. And the one in the northeast is printing out a constant stream of rockets and missiles, skipping the middleman and just printing out large rockets. (laughs) And there's a stash of ammunition and uh, missiles and rockets nearby that it has been printing out. From the uh, printer in the northeast, you see it has just finished off printing a very large missile. As it finishes printing, the rocket thruster on the back begins to uh, power up and shoot out a gout of flame, and it begins to rocket towards you. Where I'll shoot. And we will be back in two weeks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The House of Bob. If you're enjoying the show, uh, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about us. You can chat with us on social media at The House of Bob. You can also watch on YouTube if that's your preference. No judgment. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Some strong feelings. It's okay. We won't think any less of you. If you'd like to support the show financially, despite what I've said, consider supporting the show on Patreon. There's a a huge backlog of bonus content, including recordings like a director's commentary, one shots. There's also RPG zines and a monthly blog post. And I'd like to make a particular special thank you to our newest patron, Craig T. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, Craig. Thanks, Craig. You did it. Our work for this episode is by Jake at Javix. Audio production by Alex, and the music was by Duke Albert and John Julius, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. And you can own that soundtrack if you want. You can get it at Duke Albert's Bandcamp. The link is in the show notes. And if you are a patron of the show, you get an additional 50% off that soundtrack. Thanks for listening. I can't afford not to. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be losing money not to. I'm just going to end the show now. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great evening. Roll on. Or we're all just going. Ah! Oh my god! <laughs> Thanks, everybody. There you go. <laughs> Last time on the House of Bob, everyone got in a mech and we uh, shot guns at each other and missiles. It was pretty cool. At each other? I don't know. Oh, well, if you could consider everyone to be truly everyone, then yes, we were shooting at each other. The royal everyone. The royal everyone. Yeah, I didn't want to exclude the NPCs. Yeah, Jake played six different people. More than that. Eight different people. Sometimes you have to kill a few innocents. I'm not going to respond to this anymore. (laughs) Boop, boop, boop. Just (laughs) moved you somewhere you can't see. Yep. Whoopsie daisy. It's so dark in here. <laughs> Does anyone have night vision? I assume that's built in, Matt. Uh, slick, queek. Whoa, queek? That's not a word. <laughs> Sleek, it's quick. Just saying quick, quick. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't have time to say the whole word. Sure. Okay. Well, let's start with Dan then. Um, or I should say, let's start with Rusk Tilson. Rusk Tilson. Rusk Tilson. 
Super soldier extraordinaire. <laughs> or a 10 to 19. 11 to 19? I don't know. There could be consequences. <laughs> 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 there could be consequences if the role is one I don't like. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so if it's a numbers, number, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it's a number that it sounds good to me, sure. that's reassuring. Jake's yeah. a math elitist. Yeah, 17? Ooh, I don't like sevens. Mm. No. <laughs> no, sevens are bad, yeah. Oh, and your waste recycling system is wrecked. Now it smells like poop everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Please, something cool is happening. <laughs> Stop sorry. ruining this moment. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Edit that out. Cut it. You peeing again, Dan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Blast door, more like blasted. Glass door. Nice one. Glass door, nice. Nice. Nice.